Welcome to the Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership Podcast. Subscribe now so you don't miss a drop of straight talk you can't get anywhere else. We discuss the whiskeys to drink, music to listen to, and what it really takes to be an effective leader. I'm your host, Galen Bingham, the leadership strategist. Tonight's guest, founder of Prescott HR and host of the HR and Cocktails podcast, Kimberly Prescott. Hey, what you drink? So I have been told that I am giving way too much preamble and you want to get right to the conversation. So let's just jump in. I've got another heavy hitter for you. Uh, this lady is amazing. She's done the work for real. She's done the work at places like Whole Foods. She's done the work at places like Paychecks. She is a true HR professional. She's got her own firm, Prescott HR, but wait, there's more. She also has the audacity to have a podcast called HR and Cocktails. You guys know her already. You love her already. Kimberly Prescott, welcome to Whiskey Jazz and Leadership. Thank you so much, Galen. I'm so excited to be here. Well, you know, we're gonna we're gonna have an amazing time together because I I, I feel like our, our our time our fun time has already started. So to officially launch this conversation, I gotta ask this question. So what you drinking? Well, right now, so I'll be honest for everyone who's listening. I was um, at lunch prior to this, and so I had a couple of drinks with a friend of mine. But this is Bouillet Bourbon. Um, at St. Germain and um, champagne and bitters. And so this particular restaurant calls it a sip of summer and it's awesome. It is quite awesome. I will be honest. So I will um, do my best to um, act like I haven't had one already today. (laughs) That's all right. You just got to jumpstart. You just got to jumpstart. You know, as I share with my listeners, I put great care into the whiskeys that I drink. And this time I I decided to go with one that is uh, not part of the norm. This is not part of the big boy whiskeys that I typically drink, but this is just some down-home goodness uh, because this is gonna be a down-home goodness type conversation. This is Old Romulus. It's 12 year aged. It's straight bourbon whiskey. It's hand selected. For Buster's Liquors out of Memphis, Tennessee. Now, there's a story for that for me that I've got family in Memphis, Tennessee. And so when I go, I always have to take a little deviation from the path. And I end up getting to my parents' home a a good 20 to 30 minutes later than what I said I would because I have to stop at, at, at Buster's. And this is one of their hand-selected barrel picks, and it is amazing. That's what I'm going to go with. So, you know, let's crack this open. Yes. Pour just a little bit. You know, this is actually the real thing. It's 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 104 proof. So oh, so you've grown. This is grown folk stuff. Okay, okay. This is grown okay. folk stuff. And I chose this because 
we're going to have a real conversation. All right. And you have spent a history. You've already spent a career's worth of time working for some of the largest companies around doing what I call real world HR stuff. And now you've got your own firm. Not only that, but you've got your own podcast. Tell us a little bit about your background. Tell us a little bit about who Kimberly Prescott is, as I enjoy this old Romulus, because we're going to get into some, we might talk about where some of the bodies are buried. I, I don't know what we might get into in this conversation, but kick us off with just kind of a, kind of a, a review of your background. Sure, absolutely. So I started my career. So actually, I wanted to be an attorney. So I'll start there. I wanted to do civil liberties law. And so when I finished college with an English degree, thinking that I was going to go into law and use my English degree to write, I went into the Air Force. Uh, so I was in the Air Force. Um, and so I decided to go in enlisted and I was a linguist. So I was a Spanish linguist. I went to the Presidio of Monterey um, in the Air Force and um, became proficient in Spanish. And upon me getting ready to graduate, the Air Force said, no, thank you, ma'am. Um, you have asthma and we're not interested. Uh, so I was uh, I was a little uh, sad about that because I was interested in going to law school and have the Air Force pay for it. But I went back to um, Georgia. I'm from Georgia originally. I'm from Augusta, um, home of the Masters, although I do not watch golf. And so I went back to Atlanta and I decided, let me figure out what I want to do. And so I went to a temp agency, you know, did a couple of temp jobs. And then they asked me, do you want to start looking at some resumes? And I was like, sure, I'll look at some resumes. And that's how I started HR. So it was an uh, interesting entree into HR. And so I started doing recruiting for staffing agencies, and then I went into full-fledged HR. I moved to the D.C. metro area maybe five days before September 11th of 2001, and I was working in Arlington, Virginia. And so needless to say, I was in the midst of everything that was happening on September 11th um, as it relates to just uh, how scary it was and you know everything was shut down and we could see the smoke from the pentagon and i had been here five days and i didn't know what was happening um but i was able to um translate that into moving into multiple organizations that are headquartered here i mean dc metro area has quite a few organizations that are headquartered here so i was able to do that and ultimately work um, my way into some senior level hr positions at a variety of corporations and so that's really kind of where I kind of got my career. Um, I um, am married. I have a 12-year-old daughter that's going on 25. And that's me. I mean, between um, loving cocktails and HR and my family and good food, because we do travel for food, that's me. <laughs> well, hey, we could talk about all of that, as far as, especially that traveling for food, because travel is a big part of of what we aspire to do. Uh, we find excuses not to do it as much as we would like, but that is absolutely center to how our family operates. But you know, I'm fascinated by the whole idea of HR because. You know, it's it's easy to think, especially when you're working for big companies, it's easy to think of of sales because that's 
that's generating revenue. It's easy to think of operations because that's that's how you get things done. Uh, you get product from here to there to fulfill that revenue. It's easy to think of finance because you know that's that's where we count the pennies or count the nickels rolling down the hall. But none of that stuff happens if you don't have people or if your people are dysfunctional or if your people are breaking the law or if you don't have people very often you don't have a business so talk to me a little bit about just hr and how that has really become where you've stayed because hr don't they don't always get the recognition that some of these other departments might get why why did you decide to stay in hr for so long So I think that my desire to do civil liberties law um, really kind of gives an indication of the fact that helping people was something that I've always wanted to do, right? And HR is an opportunity to touch every person in the organization. Um, If done correctly, HR is strategic and it's tactical. So it is always a challenge. There's always something that you can do. And if you are the type of person that's self-motivated, then you can create opportunities for yourself in any organization. So I think that's what really motivated me to stay in HR was that the opportunities are unlimited. Things are always changing. Legislation's changing. Employee needs are changing. New generations are entering the workforce. There's always something to figure out. There's always some problem, really just some challenge that needs to be addressed. And so if you are the kind of person that enjoys the challenge, then HR is the place for you. I will say, I hear people say all the time, I want to go into HR because I like people. That's probably not the best reason to go into (laughs) HR because it is not always the place where you get the pat on the back. It's really where you go when you are intrinsically rewarded and when you're the person that just knows, hey, I know I did the right thing for the right reason. um, And that's why I'm here. So um, I think that if you're that kind of person, which I am, um, I don't require a lot of external um, motivation. Um, So that really just helped me just knowing, hey, I know. I contributed to the bottom line. I contributed to this initiative. That's really what kept me going in HR. And um, there are multiple definitions of HR. Um, there's multiple avenues in HR that you can go down. And I've had the privilege of being able to touch pretty much every piece of HR. And that's been also very fulfilling for me. Yeah, you know, it's uh, you, you talk about the strategic partnership with HR. You know, some of the some of my fondest conversations have been where I'm I'm talking with my HR partner and we're trying to figure out how do we get this person with high potential? How how do we get them the experiences that they need in order to fill out that potential so that we can actually draw revenue from this potential at some point? But that hasn't been most of my conversations with HR. Usually the conversations are, we got a problem and I can't figure this thing out on my own uh, and come and help me fix this thing. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been out of distress and duress that I've been talking with HR. And usually from an employee standpoint, if you really want to ruin someone's day, you would just utter the words, I think we need to go talk to HR. 
Right. So we'll get to some of the positive elements, but what were some some instances where you don't think that HR was being used in the best possible way? Maybe we were we were coming to you at the eighth hour when we should have been talking to you four or five hours ago. Has that ever happened with you? Absolutely. Um, I worked in an organization. Um, I've worked in a very large staffing organization. And so staffing is sales. You know, it's pretty much what it is. And so HR was known as the sales prevention department. Mm -hmm. Um, So (laughs) we had to um, really make sure that we were addressing the fact that we were known as the sales prevention department because that's really not what we were there to do. Um, You know, there have been many times, and even when I deal with clients now where HR is not positioned for success, my philosophy is that HR is advice and counsel. We provide advice and counsel. We're not the police. We're not the principal's office. It's not where people go to get managed for the dress code, any of those things. That is the manager's job. Um, So I will say that. Um, There have definitely been times where, you know, managers have come, um, employees have come to try to help us, you know, to try to help them resolve issues that quite honestly should be resolved at the department level. And so in that, in those times, I've really taken that opportunity to help them understand, hey, I understand that you're not happy with what's going on right now. And I want to be an escalation point for you. But the first point of contact is your manager or the first conversation needs to be your employee, um, really so that those things can happen at the department level. Because if HR is always the first point of contact, who's the next escalation point? Mm. You know, the EEOC. <laughs> mm. We don't want that, right? <laughs> so we want to make sure that organizations, you know, understand how to leverage HR really as um, advice and counsel or resource for information, but not as police or the principal's office. And unfortunately, that's how they're positioned in a lot of organizations. You see HR and you know somebody's getting fired, somebody's in trouble. That should not be the case. And that's not my philosophy. And when I was internal corporate HR, that was not my philosophy. I walked the floor constantly, just asking people how they were doing, how's everything working for you, good, you know, making sure that people saw me as a person and that I saw them as a person. So there was a comfort level. Mm. Yeah. Well, and you clearly you enjoy it. Clearly this is your thing because even after you spent time with some of those big name companies that most of us uh, work with or spend money with, you decided to launch your own business. So, you know, I can vouch for the fact that it's always sexier on the other side of launching that business than than the reality. Uh, what's it been like forming Prescott HR versus having a big name brand behind you where you were just in one of the HR departments? Yeah, people perceive being an entrepreneur as being sexy. Um, there's a lot of not sexy about it. You know, when you run an organization, I will start with when I first started my organization, I was a solopreneur, which is very, very different than running a business. Right. So I was a solopreneur. So I was, you know, I I ate what I caught. Right. And, And if I didn't catch fish that day, I didn't eat. Right. Which is very different than running a business. So because initially I thought I could never get away from the work. I can. I always want to do the work. I mean, this is what I do. I'm an HR person. I want to do the work. I had an executive coach that told me, 
well, you could do this every day until you die. And then when, you know, you get too old to do it or you can't do it anymore, then you just don't eat anymore. And then what are you going to do? And when I thought about that, because I started my business, I was in my early 40s, late 30s. And so I was thinking, oh, wow. Okay. Well, okay. So then what next? Right. I got like 20 years before this is all over. Right. So he said, you know, I was like, but I can't, I can't, I told him, I said, well, I really can't have somebody come into my organization and represent me. It's Prescott HR. It's me. This is what people want. Cause this is what I'm thinking. I'm a solopreneur. Right. And there's a little bit of perfectionist in me. There's a little bit of, you know, all the things that go into being an entrepreneur. Right. And so he said to me, when you think about Apple, who do you think of? And I said, well, I think about Steve Jobs. And he said, Steve Jobs is dead. So if people can still associate Steve Jobs with Apple, somebody can associate someone else with your business. And at that point, I was like, okay, I get it. So I started to bring people onto my team. I have 13 people now. And now... I don't do as much of the HR day-to-day as I used to do. I really am learning a new skill set, which is running a business and being business development. But there's still um, part of the sales process where I really do have to leverage a lot of my um, HR expertise, understanding how to scope out a project, what that looks like, and really helping clients understand how we can service them. But I think that It is my love of HR and my true passion for making sure that businesses get what they need and leverage HR properly that helps us as an organization to um, help small organizations really, you know, what is HR? How does it work? Why do you need it? How does it help? How does it help the bottom line? Because when you're a small business, which is who we serve, they just want to know if I spend money on this, am I going to make money? And so we have to help them answer that question. What's the ROI? (laughs) Um, Which is the lesson that I learned in large organizations. I had to learn how to translate HR into ROI working for a large organization. So that was a benefit for me. Yeah. I mean, it gets gets very real. Uh, I, I remember when I owned my retail business and I just anticipated that owning a retail business was going to be easy because I advised and consulted with restaurateurs for 20 years, 25 years or so. So this is going to be easy. And I I would get into something that that wouldn't be as sophisticated. So it's a yogurt shop, right? Yogurt shop. It's not the Coca-Cola company. It's a yogurt shop, right? How complicated could this thing be? And just to make it really, really simple, I was going to buy into a franchise system. So I wouldn't even necessarily have to create the brands or the products. I would just have to follow this franchise process that someone else created, but it was still my money. And when it's your money, (laughs) things change. And those decisions, to your point about return on investment, I knew that I needed to see 222 people every single day as paying customers. And if I didn't see 222 people one day, uh, I needed to make up the difference the next day. And so those return on investment dollars become incredibly important. Now you've you've created your own business. You're running your own business. You've you've moved out of the solo pioneer uh, space where you are the one uh, making things happen every single day uh, in front of your customers. To now you're running a business. You've got you've got people in your organization. You're thinking about systems. You're you're thinking about business development. 
this vision beyond you know any time that you might have on this planet what are some of the things that you continue to see as challenges and what are some of the things that you continue to see as opportunities as you've made that transition from solopreneur to to business owner and, and managing an organization I think one of the largest challenges is me. I have a VP of operations. She's amazing. Um, She sees the best in everyone and sees the potential in everyone. Being a perfectionist Mm. and being a person that feels that, honestly, I'm the best, it's difficult to look at the work product of other people and think, okay, that's good. (laughs) Um, And so I really had to remove myself from even reviewing that part of it um, because my level of expectation is probably unrealistic. And so I've had to get to the point where I understand my expectations might be unrealistic, right? So that's one of the challenges that I've had. I mean, just in my county alone, there are tens of thousands of small businesses And so, you know, learning and understanding the environment, your competition, quite honestly, just doing the SWOT analysis altogether of, you know, the landscape of where we, of where I am and who my competition is. Um, And it's interesting because my competition isn't who people might think it is. People might think my competition are other HR consulting firms, but it's really not. It's payroll companies that do HR, quote unquote. It's, me really getting into the space of understanding how business works and understanding the competitive advantage, understanding how to brand myself, how to market to my audience. These are all things I hadn't thought of. When you grow up in HR, you grow up in HR thinking about solving internal problems. You're not involved in the external landscape. So my challenge is Uh, an area of opportunity is really growing in that area. Hey, it's not too late. Hit that subscribe button so you're sure to catch the next episode. If you're really enjoying the vibe, leave us a review or become a VIP for guests and show exclusives. Cheers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.